0: Hello, FCS Nation. It's time for your show. I'm your host, Kevin Marshall. I'm coming to you from Chile, Missoula, Montana. Join me like he does each week is Mr. Stone LeBanowitz. Stone is coming to you from the sunshine state of Florida. Well, we got one round. Hold on, FCS- hold on,
1: Kev. I want to quiz you on something. Uh, what do you think the temperature is down here?
0: Um, I don't know, man. What? Tell me. 63.
1: It's a little chilly, man. Had to break out the hoodie. 63. When it creeps down there, that's when the toboggan and everything comes out. High socks, all of it. You know what I'm saying?
0: You know, a toboggan. (laughs) You know what? That's just because you ain't got no hair. That's why you have to wear a toboggan, dude. Not because it's cold. Well, we got one round of playoffs in the books, y'all. And there was some exciting football last week played in the FCS playoffs. Awful lot of games get too short time to get there. Let's just get right to the action from one week ago. Up first, Mercer, 17. Gardner-Webb, 7. Stone, Mercer did what they wanted to do to do, had to do in this ballgame. It was a defensive struggle. Neither of these teams was any good on third down. They had six third down conversions between them.
1: I mean, listen, Mercer's defense is disgusting, and we've said it forever. Every single time we break down one of their games, it's the first things out of our mouth, and it just shows up each and every week. Uh, I talked about last week Gardner-Webb being able to score a lot of points. That's what they've been known to do, a really high-octane offense. They get held to a tud, just a single tud, seven points. Uh, I love Mercer's defense, and it also, we'll get to it later on, but I think South Dakota State laying half points is way too much because of this defense. Also, one thing that could hurt South Dakota State and what makes this team so good, and he punished Gardner-Webb, is that quarterback Carter Peavy. Man, he's able to do it with his legs too, extend some drives, convert some third downs. He had two rushing touchdowns. I'm a huge fan of this Mercer team.
0: Lance Wise is a player for the Mercer Bears. Yeah. If you're watching the ball game on Saturday at Brookings against South Dakota State, wherever the football is, you're going to find Lance Wise. He's Damn a right. Delaware, 36, Lafayette, 34. It was chaos for quarterbacks, for Lafayette in this one. Starting quarterback went out. Second quarterback was ineffective, brought in the third quarterback. Lafayette jumped out to a huge lead in this ball game when they had a healthy quarterback, and Delaware really had no business winning this football game. Lafayette was a better football team, I think, especially offensively. Delaware's beat up at the quarterback position. I feel bad for Lafayette here because they played their guts out with some disadvantages in uh, athletic skill and size, and they were able to counter that, but that injury bug at a very inopportune time hurt the lafayette leopards a lot and delaware was able to come back and win 36 34
1: man i love every single thing that you just said uh delaware had no business winning this ball game like none whatsoever but i mean it speaks to the experience on that team and, and the belief they have in themselves to get it done to get over the finish line i do feel bad for lafayette as well and this game was even hard to follow i wasn't able to lay eyes on this one i did go back on ESPN Plus and watch it on demand it was giving me a headache even though i already knew the result uh it was fun like i said to follow Hey, but I will say this, Kev. Shout out to the Patriot League. Uh, between Lafayette and, and Holy Cross, they're looking good. Uh, they got them on the uppity-up. Lafayette was a team that actually beat Holy Cross, and we were questioning whether or not Holy Cross got stubbed. Does Lafayette deserve to be in here? I think they showed us that they did deserve to be in the playoffs. I'm looking forward to see what they got next year.
0: Just no depth yet. No depth for Lafayette, and that's why Delaware was able to come back to win. Sacramento State, 42, North Dakota, 35. A very, very, very disappointing end to the season for the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. Sac State, they did exactly what they wanted to do on offense in this one stone when they wanted to do it especially in the first half Caden Bennett where's this guy been all year I mean, he was outstanding in that first half. Over 100 yards rushing in the first half. The Fighting Hawks got zero stops on defense in the first half. Sac State went up and down the field on them, and the second half was a little bit closer, but this is the Sac State team offensively we've been looking for for eight weeks, bro.
1: Where the hell have you been, Caden Bennett? We we know they've had some awkward things going on in that locker room, some soul searching, trying to find out what their identity actually is. Caden Bennett was off to a rambling start early in the season, looking like the Sac State we've always known. Uh, big Stanford dub, that was all because of Caden Bennett. So this was a big win. I predicted Sac State to get that done. A little plus money. They were, uh, I think, underdogs by a field goal and the hook. This was just a really good offensive game from Sac State. There was no defense being played in this thing.
0: 77 points combined. So Illinois, 35. Nichols, nothing. This was just an absolute shellacking by the Salukis over to Nichols-Colonels. And in my mind, you know, not to put too fine of a point on it or be harsh, but the Southland was fraudulent this season. Completely fraudulent from top to bottom. And to think... There are dudes who have votes in the top 25 that were actually politicking and trying to convince people that the Southland deserved two teams in these playoffs. They really didn't deserve one. Nichols got their ass busted. And anybody who wanted to put two teams in from that conference shouldn't have anything to do with deciding who's good and who's not in FCS football ever again.
1: <laughs> I do love you, man. Yeah, uh, no contest here. Not much to be said about Nichols. I will say this, though. A 35-0 victory doesn't bode well for Idaho because when the Salukis get some confidence and you give the play callers and Blake Rowland and Nick Hill a little bit of mojo and they know that their boys on the offensive end can do what they want, they'll open that thing up and they're a dangerous team. So I think this 35-0 victory sp- them. They're really motivated uh, against an Idaho team, but this one here, no contest, not much to see here.
0: Richmond 49, North Carolina Central 27. Look, this one was over pretty much Stone, when Davius Richard had a hard time getting up from that touchdown run and you could tell his hip was bothering him. To his credit, he set out one series, came back, was ready to go into second half and he, he just couldn't run. He, he just wasn't dynamic running the football and he's very capable as a drop back passer from the pocket, but the fact he could do both is what made him so dangerous. This was a valiant effort by central they did a lot in the first half but they kind of fell apart towards the end richmond had a punt return touchdown and you know and, and another crazy play that uh allowed them to score you know this was not a 49 to 27 butt whooping by the spiders over central this was a much closer game than that and
1: it was tough for davies to play superhero ball being a little injured you could tell it was affecting him a little bit so tough out for north carolina central but richmond looking good man dropping 50 in the first round of the playoffs i'm sure does really really well if you're a locker room and everybody else in that facility
0: north dakota state 66 drake three not much much to see here my friend uh North Dakota State fumbled the ball in their first series Drake recovered kicked a field goal and that was all she wrote for the highlights for Drake offensively or even in the football game
1: <sighs> man we couldn't even predict 66 to 3 I think I went 55 to 7 uh Drake put the pigskin through the pipes, so it was good to see yeah find a little pay dirt there uh in, in the FCS playoffs but uh pretty embarrassing for Drake pretty embarrassing for the automatic qualifiers I'd say all around but North Dakota State another team like I talked about with Southern Illinois give them a little bit of confidence in, in things get a little dangerous. I have this team making a run of the semis. Uh, not a measuring stick, though. I think North Dakota State fans treated this game like a measuring stick, shouting out Cam Miller and his statistics. I mean, Kev, I think you could have been behind center and beat a Drake team. Nothing really impressive, and I don't really know how you break down this tape. I think from the standpoint of correcting some of the mistakes you made yourself and some of the players did, whether it was the 11 on offense or defense, you can kind of iron those things out, but this tape was watched once and thrown right in the garbage. I can guarantee you that because they're gearing up for a uh, pretty damn good Montana State squad, so this straight game meant nothing to nobody.
0: Chattanooga 24, Austin P 21 a valiant and signal victory I think for the Chattanooga Mocs. Didn't have starting quarterback. Freshman comes in and look, it's not a bad deal right? If your starting quarterback goes out and you have to start a young uh, freshman quarterback. If his first start was against Bama, which it was, right? So not going to be intimidated in Clarksville, Tennessee after you've been down there and seen Nick Saban on the other sideline, I don't think. But Chattanooga it was maybe a Pyrrhic victory in In this way, they lost Jay Person, the Southern Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Probably won't be back this week when they go on the road to face Furman in the second round. So, great victory, but I think it's probably the last one of the season for the Chattanooga Mocs.
1: Yeah, tough to say because this game is really fun. I enjoyed watching this one. To be honest with you, it was probably the best game in the entire slate. Last weekend, I just think there was a lot to see. You watched Chattanooga jump out to a lead. P tied it up. Chat scored again. Chat scored again. 21-7, right? You have P questioning themselves. They've been such a hot team. How are they going to respond? Well, they definitely did. They ripped off 14 and tied this thing at 21. And obviously a heartbreaker at the end as it was approaching quadruple zeros. But I, I agree it's tough. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it because, you know, there are parallels with, like, Florida State and Jordan Travis going down and a team having no hope. I've had this conversation all week long here on ESPN Radio, and I don't want to do it with the mom. Right now, it's sad and yeah, tough matchup on the way. But Vegas gave him a little bit of respect, they're not underdogs by that many points. So, if that team can rally together and figure it out, excited to see what they can do. But yeah, tough looks for the mocks.
0: You ever seen a play like that took place in the end zone down there where uh, quarterback overthrows guy, it's intercepted, he tries to run it out, and the same guy who the pass is intended for rips it out of his arms and carries it in for a touchdown? I've never seen that before, never. And I've seen a lot of football, I've never seen that.
1: Listen, I might have seen conceptually that kind of play before. I don't know the, the young man who made the play but what was so cool about it is he executed what he had made up in his mind like when he stripped that football he put his hand in the turf to not let his knees touch to not fall and race to the end zone like he envisioned it and he executed it and to pull something like that off is gangster
0: youngstown state 40 duquesne seven good warm-up round here for the penguins they you know had a nice little crowd there in youngstown for this one and it was all penguins from jump street here
1: yeah duquesne didn't really put up a fight Uh, I'll tell you what, though. Youngstown State, shout out Mitch Davidson. He was a fella that I wanted on the Stone Cold quarterback segment. Um, Looking forward to seeing what he does this weekend. He had 316 yards against Duquesne. It was the most in Youngstown State postseason history. Followed that up with two touchdowns as well and also set the single season passing record. So shout out to Mr. Davidson. And I love that you said a warm up game. That's exactly how they treated this because, boy, do they have one on deck with Villanova that all of us will be watching. thanks for sticking with us during the break you were listening to fcs nation on of course the palmetto radio network we do this each and every week personally it's one of my favorites this time though it's a round two edition the fcs playoffs where we open it up to the twitter followers the fcs nation radio round two mailbag where i pepper kevin marshall and now mr gene clemens who will be joining with questions from all over the country about all sorts of different teams conferences whatever it is we got it and we got the guys to answer the questions what do you guys say? We get rolling. Let's go. Yep. right. first off, Kev, this one's coming at you. This one from Catamount Sports Forum. Will there be riots in the streets in Brookings when, he didn't say if, he said when Mercer wins the game on Saturday?
0: I don't know about riots. Those people are just so nice. The most civil disobedience you would get there is they'd go around and push other people's trash cans into where they go. But uh, I don't see that happening. I'm as big of a Southern Conference homer as there is. Mercer's going to go up there and compete and if they can be in it in the fourth quarter and maybe have a shot, I think that's all you can ask going out there playing that bunch, who's that good?
1: All right, this one coming at you, Gene. This one from Robbie McGrath at Robbie M underscore fifty seven on X, Twitter, whatever the hell you call it. Does Albany actually have a chance to make it to the semifinals, like some
2: say? I don't think they have a chance to make it to the semifinals, but I'd love to see it. Um, I vote for chaos. Um, I think that chaos is always a good thing. I just think that their their path, while is a great path, I think it's a great path. I think there's a there's a stumble in there waiting to happen. I don't know if they're ready for this level of of competition where they go from we're not even into the playoffs so i'm all the way into the semi you usually see a team have to you know kind of make their way there
1: i agree and i love that you threw out their path because i think they do have a decent little path to make it on through Alright, keeping this train a chugging. Gene, we'll start with you, but Kev, I want you in on this one as well. This run from Terrier at James Gregg MD on Twitter saw both Furman and UT Chat play at Wofford. Cannot see how Furman beat them four weeks ago. Can't see it happening again. What say you?
2: Well, I think with Furman back at full strength, I think Furman gets it done again. I think they'll it'll definitely be a a a, a tight contest because both of these teams know each other. But I think Furman has has bigger fish to fry than Chattanooga. I think this is the end of the road for the Mocs. I tend to agree with Gene here.
0: And look, Chattanooga going to Austin P last week without the starting quarterback. You lose the Southern Conference defensive player of the year in the first quarter, Jay Person. You know, that's a tough, tough thing. And they were still able to get what Rusty Wright really needed to solidify his job continuing there, which was getting the playoffs and get a playoff win. I think everything else would be just gravy for Chattanooga but with Tyler Huff back, Dominic Roberto back, Furman's back up to full strength. And then and that defense never went anywhere. So they're going to run the ball. They're going to do what Furman does. They're not going to be flashy. They're just going to beat you, which is what the paladins have done this year
1: yeah super excited to see tyler huff and dominic roberto back in action we are all rocking with Furman. love to hear it look alive kev this one coming at you from brexton roth at brex 2018 on x twitter if montana state wants to make a run who should they utilize more Sean Chambers
0: or Tommy Mallott? I think you have to put Chambers back there and see what he can do. I know that there's been some things that have happened uh, during games that the Montana State coaching staff wasn't pleased with, uh, most notably taking delay of game penalties and things like that when Chambers has been in there. But he gives you the best chance to win. And that's not a knock on Tommy Mallott at all. I like those guys from Butte. He's a tough, tough kid. But I think Chambers gives you the best opportunity to win. He can throw the ball a little better. And against the Bison, Bobcats can have to complete some passes or else the Bison just going to stuff that box and it could be a long day for them in bozeman
2: gene any thoughts here touchdown tommy to me the the argument that i was talking about with ndsu last week with with cam miller he is the type of player that makes you think that you should have him out there because there's so much splash ability with him But if you're trying to advance, you really need Chambers to step up and and play to his full potential because I think that full potential is just better than Tommy's full potential.
1: I hear you loud and clear. All right, this one, Kev. Kind of a deep cut. That's why we're bringing you in here from SSN Charleston Southern. Just... FCS playoff questions is what he asked when we opened up the mailbag. He said, if not, what are Charleston Southern in the web going to do? He also added a crying emoji. Got any ideas for him?
0: Pray. I mean, I just don't <laughs> know what I don't know what those two uh, schools are going to do. They're the last two standing in the Big South Conference. Unless something has radically changed, they're not going to get in the SOCON. It's complete non-starters for both of them to be uh, even considered for admission. But the SOCON has a new commissioner, and are they going to play the CAA NBA, MVFC and Big Sky game, which is just to add teams, to add teams so they can get five teams in the playoffs, that seems to be the way of the world these days, right? There aren't a lot of people who are doing it the way the SOCON does, nine teams and y'all play each other. I'm not sure where there's a fit for those two schools, and and I just, I feel bad for Charleston Southern, and I feel bad for Gardner-Webb. Gardner-Webb loses uh, Trey Lamb, the head coach, to go to East Tennessee State, and you know, they're both FCS programs. What does that tell you, y'all? East Tennessee State's a better job than Gardner-Webb. Why? More money, more fans, and it- it's just a better league that's why trey lamb went from gardner webb to johnson city
1: all right i love it well said all right i want both you guys to attack this one kev we'll start with you this one from nick davis at idaho underscore davis which team makes the most difficult road trip of this fcs round two
0: I think you just have to say Delaware does. I just don't see very many ways for Delaware to win that football game against Montana on Saturday. Not to give away the preview segment or the pick segment, I don't really think it matters who plays quarterback for Delaware. I think the Grizz are just a much better football team. Delaware has not looked good, especially defensively lately, and they really had no business beating Lafayette last week. None. Uh, Both top two quarterbacks for the Leopards. The first one injured his ankle. The second one was ineffective, so they brought in the third-string guy, and he did some things, but they had no business beating Lafayette. Mafia, they'll get beat in Missoula.
2: I agree with them getting beat in Missoula. I think the toughest the toughest trip is is Mercer. It's Georgia. It's not very cold. Um, now you're going to travel across the country yeah. and to some cold. Like that's that's tough. Coastal
0: Carolina did it. Just uh, what was that, Gene? Uh, uh, One of their last, uh, the second to their last year in uh, FCS, they came here to Missoula. It was less than one degree. I know because I was here. I was at the game and Coastal came out here and they whooped the Grizz.
2: I remember that game. I think the difference is how both of those teams get the job done. I think that Coastal Carolina was probably a lot tougher, a lot more gritty than the way in which Mercer gets things done. I think a lot more finesse, a lot more suave to their game. I think that matters when you go out there into the into the great the great beyond, <laughs> right? And I didn't even really think about that because
0: in my mind, and I hate to and I hate to say it, you know, because again, Socon Homer, but you know, Mercer doesn't really have much better than a puncher's chance in that game against South Dakota State. I don't think Delaware is coming in and they think they have a shot. Their fans think they have a shot. They're going to be in for a very rude awakening when 25,000 people are yelling at them at Washington Grizzly Stadium. I will not be yelling. I may be there. Haven't decided yet. It's either Bozeman, Missoula, or Moscow, Idaho. And either way is two mountain passes and i'm a low country of south carolina boy that's two things i don't like to hear mountain and passes so uh, i may just come down here to washington grizzly stadium and watch the blue hens get beat all right
1: let's hang out in brookings for a little bit longer boys i want both you guys to answer this gene you take the reins first this one from matt mullins at matt mullins 210 on twitter who can beat the jack rabbits
2: straight up the jack rabbits can beat the jack rabbits i think i think there's complacency I think there's arrogance. I think there's a lot of things that can beat that can be a team that should just roll and 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 beat everyone to their their championships. They're the only team that can get in their way. That and some type of catastrophic in- injury. And I actually think it might take a couple catastrophic injuries um to beat them. They're just they're, they're just bigger, stronger, you know, more confident than than the the people that they're going to face. And as long as that confidence doesn't turn into arrogance, um, I think that they're going to roll through anyone. So if I said there was anyone going to beat them, it's probably going to be them. Um, self-inflicted wounds, mistakes, things that you don't normally see them do.
0: I totally agree. I just don't see anybody lining up against that offensive line that, that the Jackrabbits have. Those 605 Hogs and being able to outbeat them, outmuscle them, and be able to keep them from running the football. And if you can't make them one-dimensional and make them throw the football, uh, you're going to have a hard time beating the Jackrabbits and nobody's been able to do that yet.
1: Although I agree with both of you, I personally think 32 and a half points is too much. Mercer is one of the best defenses in the country. We saw, I know it was early in the season, but we saw the Bobcats of Montana State kind of buckle down and make that a low scoring affair. Do you guys think 32 and a half points is too much,
2: Gene? Always. Anytime you've got a second round game um, versus a viable team, I always think that 30 plus points is too much. You got to just think about the game. In order to beat somebody by 30 something points, they have to not do anything on offense and most likely help you out with some turnovers. I don't see Mercer necessarily just throwing going up all over themselves right and so this could easily be a 28 point game or a 21 point game but once you start getting up over 30 i i you gotta you gotta kill me dead with those points
0: i totally agree and i'm not much of a gambler but it's funny that coming down here to do the show gene and i had a pretty interesting conversation on the phone about you know there's some there's some things uh this in this round of the play some opportunities you, huh yeah that y'all to take a look at that's one of them and you know the other one's not to give away the pick segment because i don't want to do that but there's a three team parlay in here, and Gene said it right on on the telephone. He said, "There's some live dogs that uh, uh, you can uh, put three of those together, and maybe have yourself one heck of a weekend."
1: <laughs> I absolutely love it. All right, coming at you here, Gene. This one: Arnold Lenoris Davis Jr. at a Lenoris Davis on Twitter. Would you like to see the one AA HBCU
2: conference champion in the FCS playoffs again? Um, I don't like that voice inflection that you that you put into their stone when you try to kind of go up in it like. Eh? <laughs> um I would actually like to see both of the HBCU conference championships back in the FCS playoffs because I just think that it's a more um viable representation of of the entire landscape. And I think that if you actually pay them the respect that they deserve and not just send them to get slaughtered by whoever the the, the, the top, you know, teams are, you might actually see some competitive things. I would love to get a South Dakota State down in, in Florida a and with 50 and 60,000 uh, thousand in a stadium just to see what that's like. I think that some of these people are fooling themselves and thinking that they'll just roll into some of these big time HBCU programs and just steamrolling them when they have it going and they're playing at that same level so i would love for that to be a a, a reality but the the truth is is that the dollar talks and you know the the celebration bro brings in a lot more money than the fcs playoffs does for those teams and you you can't be mad at them because a lot of those a lot of those schools are cash strapped as it goes
0: i agree and i've never begrudged any of those schools doing their own thing for that reason you know, there's there's money involved. Well, go get them bags. You know, go get them bags. And I don't blame them for not being in the playoffs. Wish they were. I wish the Ivy League would participate too. But, you know, I also wish that... No, I don't. So uh, that Gal Gadot <laughs> called me, you know, and uh, and asked me to leave my wife and us to start dating. It don't mean those things are going to happen, though.
1: <laughs> All right. Casey Everett has a question for you, Kev. I think you're most fit to answer this one. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. At NAU Podcast on Twitter, who would you like to see as the new NAU head coach?
0: I got two names, and they both have double Bs in them. Uh, I'd like to see uh, Bruce Barnum from Portland State. Uh, try to get that job. He does what he does at Portland State, and it's amazing that they're somewhat competitive at all with the things he has to do there to get them to even be competitive. And maybe also Bo Baldwin, who is, uh, you know, was let go by Arizona State as the offensive coordinator. He had his play calling duties taken away from him in, in like the first or uh, the first four weeks of the season. So, you know, the bloom is off the rose there a little bit. He wasn't able to turn Cal Poly around as quickly as people thought he was. But you're going into Flagstaff, and that is not a team that is devoid of talent. They Went five and three in the big sky this season. Uh, beat Montana. You know, we're in a lot of ball games. So maybe one of those two guys, Bruce Barnum or Bo Baldwin.
1: All right. Really well done there, Kev. Uh, a lot of people looking for that answer. I think those are two really viable guys, good options to take a peek at. All right, Gene, coming at you. JDeck, hashtag defend the dome on X and Twitter. How many Missouri Valley Football Conference teams survive? to the quarterfinals.
2: I think three survives. I think there's a potential for four. And if four does survive, then like like Kevin mentioned earlier, then there's a tasty three-pick parlay that probably hit. And we're all going to be celebrating on Saturday night.
1: All right, we'll get to what that is a little later on in the show. Let's hang out in the Valley, though. This one coming at both of you guys, and I'll chime in as well. The Rabbit Hole, at Run Rabbits one on Twitter. Youngstown or SIU? Higher likelihood of winning this weekend. Both touchdown underdogs.
0: I think Southern Illinois my friend because the defense for the Salukis we've talked about it all year is legit and Idaho's pretty young on the offensive line so we'll see but you know that that bunch can slow you down running the football and if they can make Giovanni McCoy have to be a drop back passer you got those ball hawks in that secondary Yeah, that is not a good combination for the Idaho Vandals if that if that's how that game plays out.
2: I, I agree I agree wholeheartedly I think that they have the ability to make it uglier into the four quarter and give themselves a chance to steal it in the end Um, more than more than Youngstown. I think Youngstown is playing with house, house money at this point.
1: Yeah, I think another angle to look at this, this question to be honest from is the weather, right? I mean, it'll be cold in that Youngstown state game in Villanova and, and then Idaho and Southern Illinois get to play in a dome. So I don't necessarily think I mean, we can get into why that plays in effect, but I, I do think the Villanova game has more of a chance to be mucked up and uglier. So I, I think for that reason, I, I would choose the Youngstown state Villanova game. I, I I think that Idaho-Southern Illinois game, depending on what quarter and what that scoreline shows, can turn into a pick at any point. That one's really interesting. All right, just a few more to go here. Gene, this one, take it solo. At the Coyote
2: Den on Twitter, what's your upset of the week? Uh, The upset of the week, I think it's going to be um Sacramento State getting it done. Wow. I think that Sacramento State is one of those teams that has not played to their full potential yet, and they still have another level they could reach. I don't know if we haven't seen the best of South Dakota already. I think that they may have tapped out and maybe even peaked a little bit too early. So it'll be interesting to see that game. I don't think it'll be too big for Sacramento State. I wonder if it'll be too big for South Dakota.
1: All right. I love it. Hey, let's end this on a high note, boys. My favorite of them all proposed to us by one of our favorite friends of the show, Mr. Jim Poppin at iSlayer on Twitter. We'll go roundtable on this one. Kev, you kick it off. Gene, you go after and then I'll come in for the slam dunk here. When is it okay to start listening to Christmas music with Thanksgiving past us? And what's y'all's go-to Christmas songs? Kev, what you got? I
0: think, like, Christmas Eve, dude. And I'm not a bah humbug person, <laughs> but like, like, most Christmas music is horrible, you know? Um, And and the one that I want to hear is Handel's Messiah. That's it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That that one, man. Okay. You know, if, if I'm going to do something, I want to try to do it right. And that is Christmas
2: music done right. Christmas music done only on Christmas Eve is definitely bomb Bob Humbug. <laughs> I say the day after Thanksgiving, you yes! are allowed to fire up the Christmas music. Not a day before. You can do it all the way up till Christmas Day. And then the day after Christmas, no more Christmas music. As a person who loves to sing karaoke, my go-to oh God. Christmas song, oh God. I'm looking forward to singing it. I might even just pop out and sing it tonight. This Christmas Donny Hathaway. There it is. All
1: right. Hey, uh, I agree with Gene here. I mean, as soon as the Thanksgiving decorations go, or if you're lazy and keep them up around your house, you can fire it up. Tell Siri, tell Alexa, whatever it is. Fire up the Christmas jams. I love the jingles. I love all of it. And a few of the bangers that I like. One of them, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Uh, I mean, it's just one of the classics. I I think it's a sing-along. When you hear it, you get it going. And then number two, Dominic the donkey. Uh, Dominic the Italian donkey. I think that's another one that when it gets played, man, I get up and get moving. I love this question. Appreciate you boys we went around a lot of the twitter followers got involved and we're going to continue to do the mailbag segment up until the national championship looking forward to doing so and hey if you want to get involved at fcs nation radio one on twitter we posted about wednesdays is when that tweet goes out make sure to reply and holler at the gang kev gene appreciate you guys
0: and we're back you're listening to fcs nation on the palmetto radio network I want to thank gene clemens for being here for the mailbag segment Gene always brings something good to the table. Let's take a quick trip around FCS Nation and preview the second round playoff games taking place this week. Up first, Mercer is at number one, South Dakota State.
1: This right here is what you call the good old-fashioned war of attrition. I talked about it in the mailbag segment. Yourself, Gene Clemens, you spoke about it as well. I think 32.5 points, which is what South Dakota State is laying, is way too much solely based off of this Mercer defense. You already brought up Mr. Lance Wise Jr. He's a savage on the back end, not something who's going to wow you on the screen. He He's not that big. He's maybe 5'10", but this kid can play some ball. He can cover pretty much any skill player South Dakota State has. The thing for me is Carter Peavy because South Dakota State is going to get out to Elite at some point early in this game. Can they respond is what we'll all be waiting and watching for. And if they can respond and start to make South Dakota State question themselves, things could get interesting because this Mercer defense will try to hang on for as long as they can. And I think they will for the, the early portion of the game. I'll talk for hours about the. Mercer defense I think they're so talented they're also pretty big up front and I think they'll give the hogs some problems I know I'm kind of talking a lot about Mercer and we really should be talking about the title favorites in South Dakota State but they're expected to win right they're 32 and a half point favorites I do think they win by double digits I just don't know if it's 32 I'm excited to watch this one Kev there's
0: one weakness for the South Dakota State football team and the defensive line's outstanding for them it really is but they don't get home a lot right? When you look up, you know, how many sacks a team has, you know, that's not something that jumps off the page for you uh, for South Dakota State. And Stone, I was wanting to maybe discuss that for just a second. A sack is just one play, right? If you get five of those, well, you've stopped five plays. You were a quarterback in the Missouri Valley Football Conference. What was worse, getting sacked five times or getting 25 hurries?
1: That's a good question. Uh, It's honestly hard to answer off the top of my head. It really depends how old the quarterback behind center is. Because if you're a young guy and you're getting, and Carter Peavy, I mean, hey, he's a redshirt sophomore, so he's on the younger side. If you're getting hurried the entire game, I've talked about this before on the show. You're not able to keep your eyes up and downfield. Like you can take sacks all you want, right? I mean, strategically learn how to take them. If it's first and 10 and you take a five piece, I mean, who cares? Your goal is to go get half of it back and and try to manage the down and distance after that. But I'm going to go and say hurries are worse, right? Because they can really screw with the quarterback's mental. And, And then if your coaches see that, then they're a little scared to call certain plays here, thinking maybe you're not going to go through your full progression. You're scared you're going to get hit, try to get the ball out early, not making the right reads and the progression from left to right or right to left. Whatever it's designed to do, you start doing it a little backwards when you're questioning yourself, trying to keep your eyes down, figuring out which O-lineman's going to blow their assignment and which guy has a chance to hurt you. So I think hurries are, are uh, a bigger stat than sacks sometimes.
0: And if you're Mercer, you've got to be better on third down. You have got to stay on the field offensively on third down. and You've got to get off on, on defense on third down. There's just no doubt in my mind about that. And Mercer's defense is good, like you mentioned, you know, but one thing about them is, you know, they, they'll they come at you with the corner blitz. Uh, they remind me a lot, even though it's not the same system. But Mercer, you know, they'll want to sit back. They'll give you that uh, little cushion with the wide receivers. But look, and I know that the South Dakota State people really love the Yankee Twins. They really do. And they've been fine players for them. But the Socons got some cornerbacks, Stone. They've got some receivers. This is a league that you have a couple teams that throw the ball 50 times a game every week, right? I don't think Mercer's DB is going to go out out there to Brookings and be intimidated by who the receivers are for South Dakota State. Big tight end across the middle, maybe, but I think Mercer is going to try to just say, look, we're going to load the box and Mark and the Yankee twins, you're going to have to beat us throwing the ball down the field. If I was a defensive coordinator, Joel Taylor, that's what I'd do. I tell you right now, I'd make Gronowski and the Yankee twins beat me and not Isaiah Davis. Delaware is at number two, Montana, supposed to be maybe a snowy, snowy evening here in Missoula. Delaware, come across the country. You won a game you probably ought not to have won last week at home against Lafayette. Big announcement this week. Look, I I, I don't particularly care to cover that. Delaware's FCS right now, and what happens after this game, I won't care about them anymore. You know, whatever. They're coming here to Missoula to take on Montana. I I think I have you know, uh, a prediction on this one, and Delaware is not going to like it. I think Montana blouses their boots, bro. I'll
1: call this one of the FCS Nation Radio Special, or let alone the FCS Nation Special, because I think all of us collectively are rooting for an ass kick in here. Delaware making that trip up to the Conference USA of the FBS, and we want Montana just to lay the law down embarrass them in front of their home fans. And I want that narrative to start right. How are you going to make the jump to the FBS if you can't even beat teams in the FCS? And I kind of want to point the finger and laugh. Although, you know, I'm somewhat happy for Delaware right money talks and they'll be able to recruit some better players but i think montana lays it on them right here they have just got too much confidence right now clifton mcdowell is in his bag and i'm not talking about just in his bag he's deep in his duffel he's going to be able to run throw whatever it is he's going to find pay dirt with his arm and legs i'm excited for the montana beatdown this week kev
0: and i think it's coming and look the grizz have done a lot of things and one of the things uh, a guy whose opinion who i really respect he won a national championship playing for montana he said a lot of times montana has had great players in a couple of positions that happens a lot but this year they've got really good players in a whole lot of positions and i think that's what bobby Hoff would rather have and he's got a good defense offense is doing what they should do what they were looking for early in the season you plug in clifton mcdowell and all of a sudden you can do it this is a different team than it was earlier in the year this is a very very good montana grizzly football team and they're going to show it at washington grizzly stadium on saturday night sacramento states at number three south dakota
1: this one's, if I had to sum it up into one word, interesting. You look at two teams that are pretty good. On the offensive side, Sac State knows how to score a lot of points. They're no stranger to doing that. But why it's interesting to me is the quarterback matchup, and I oftentimes take the route of just talking about quarterbacks and offenses, so I do apologize for that. I can imagine that's annoying at times, but that's what you have to be looking at in this spot. Caden Bennett played really well last week. They gave him the reins, and we've been waiting for it for some time. We were so low on Sac State the past month or two because they were so good early on and have a Stanford FBS win in their pocket, all of that because of Caden Bennett. I talked about that earlier. If Caden Bennett wants to jump out to a lead in South Dakota, and, and similar to what I I said Mercer has to do South Dakota State, make the Yotes question themselves. Sac State can jump out to a 10, 14 point lead and, and get off and running, but they'll get scored on. That's the thing. Sac State's going to get scored on, and they'll get scored on in bunches. And if Aiden Bauman's ready to go, the South Dakota team has a real, real chance to make a deep run because when Aiden's playing well, they are one of the best teams in the country. I just hope his supporting cast can come through for him. I do have USD squeaking out of this one, but it's really going to determine who wants to play cleaner football. Uh, in the signal caller department, and I think in this sense, it's probably going to be Aiden.
0: Well, look, man, this is a South Dakota team that scored 14 points against North Dakota. Right. Who was bad on defense last week. Just bad. There was nothing good about it. It was bad. It was all bad, Stone. And Sac State was able to, to do that. Why can't they do it to USD? I think they can. You know, the pick segment's coming up. I'm not going to give anything away here, but I'll tell you what. Sac State, come out and start fast, and you might have a good opportunity to get a huge upset here. And speaking of upsets that could be huge, 7 Illinois is at number four, Idaho.
1: God, I, I love this matchup. I-, I could talk about it at nauseum. This is skill on skill on skill on skill. Who can hold up up front the longest is going to win this ball game and is going to be the difference. Truly, offensive line, defensive line, whatever team can play better football run better games, get some sacks, dial up some exotic pressures when the other team doesn't expect it. That's going to win the game because both of these teams can score any way and at any time. And that's what I'm excited for. And they'll score in similar ways too. They both will take their shots down the field. They both have quarterbacks who can get moving and be elusive and, and move the chains on downs like third and 8 that most teams aren't able to do that. Javani McCoy versus Nick Baker, that's a popcorn matchup in itself. And I think Hayden Hatton and Anthony Woods and some of the other guys that Idaho has, the toughest matchup I I think they've had all year from a defensive secondary standpoint, guys who are going to cover them. This game is going to be awesome. There's a reason they put it on ESPN too. I'm freaking stoked. I will say this though. Oftentimes coaches will talk about turnover battles. Whoever wins the turnover battles wins the game. Here's where I'm going with this one. Deep cut here. Whoever gives up the least amount of sacks wins this game. That's what I'm going with here because I think if you can put Idaho or if Idaho can put Southern Illinois in third and 10 and create a sack or a second and three and create a sack and make it third and long and just make it awkward for the other team, right? We talked about, you asked me, and this question's pretty prevalent for this game. Quarterback hurries and sacks, how's it going to play into it? I I think whoever can make the other quarterback rush and think a little more than the other is going to end up turning the ball over and costing his team a victory. Uh, I'm so excited for this one. In my bracket, I picked Idaho to make a run uh, to the semifinals against South Dakota State. I'm starting to question that now. Uh, Vegas in the books put Idaho out there laying seven points. I think that may be too much. I think Southern Illinois has a real chance here because they're better up front defensively, and they'll give Giovanni a hard time. I I tell you what, Kev, I'm stoked for this one.
0: Stone, you led that offensive unit for the Salukis not all that long ago. What is it about that offense when they can average four and a half or five yards a carry that makes them so much better? When they've done that, they've won this year. When they've averaged four yards or less, they've lost. You get the feeling that Nick Hill was a former quarterback as this swashbuckler, you know, wants to throw it 45, 50 times, but he doesn't, does he? He wants to use the run to set up the pass and get those explosive plays that you always talk about.
1: Yeah, Nick Hill wants to be a run first guy. I think he'll tell you that straight up. If you caught him on the street or caught him in an interview, he'll tell you right to your face. He wants to be a team that runs the ball. No matter who he has, uh, no matter what kind of guys he has on the outside, he wants to establish the run no matter who they're playing. But I think what makes this Southern Illinois offense so dangerous is the different formations they throw at you. It's a pro style. It's very NFL centric in the sense where you're going to see so many different personnel packages come into the game and so many different personnel packages mixed in in one drive. You're going to see two tight ends in there you're gonna see one tight end with two backs in the backfield like he's gonna throw so many things at you and make the kids I'm not even gonna call them in the kids on the other side start to talk right have to over communicate like that's what he wants to do you'll see a lot of the quick motion stuff that you see with the Miami Dolphins and Mike McDaniel so many different packages are thrown at you like I said on one drive and throughout the course of a game most teams average 60 to 70 plays that's what makes this offense so dangerous is they throw so much different crap at you and it's hard for kids through four quarters to hold up and and communicate properly.
0: Richmond is at number five, You Albany? It's going to be a good football game, Stone. And, you know, they're both in the CAA, but because the CAA has, you know, 864 teams, they did not meet in the regular season. Richmond, you know, you get the feeling maybe this is kind of house money situation for them. I mean, look, nobody thought in week three that they would have played last week, much less still be playing this week. So, good on the spiders for that we have a fine affiliate there esp in richmond thanks to all the guys there for running the show each week during the football season there and you albany stone you know i never get tired of being right dude and i know you don't either never we've been on the great dane since week one and i don't see any reason to get off that train defense is outstanding and the quarterback play has been extremely good too they got some dudes richmond If you can go to UAlbany and win this football game, that's a pretty impressive thing. This is a very good all-around UAlbany team, but the defense, that front seven is just great.
1: There's so many different ways this game can go, but I do think when it's all said and done, Albany will win this game in the fourth quarter because of that defense. There's going to be an interception, a cost fumble, something to kind of give the Danes the opportunity to milk that clock and get away by the hair on their chinny chin chin. I'm excited for this one as well. I'm typically an offensive guy, but there are some really good defenses in the slate this weekend that I'm I'm excited to see, learn about some of the players and kind of pay a, a little more attention than I have to some of the schemes and games they're running and a lot of the things they do on the back end and, and the Danes are going to mix it up and, and give Richmond some trouble.
0: Talking about going on the road and giving somebody some trouble, North Dakota State is at the number six seed, Montana State. I have a bad feeling about this one for the Bob Catstone. I really, really do. I got a bad feeling about this one, Bob. Uh, You know, I... I, I think NDSU is a type of team that is going to give Montana State a whole bunch of trouble. Now, the Bobcats have had a week since getting mauled in Missoula to you know kind of put that behind them, and it was a huge rivalry game, so what can you really take from that? But I know this. This North Dakota State team is peaking. They're peaking at the right time. Cam Miller's getting the job done from the quarterback position. The defense has played better, and the teams that have been able to beat North Dakota State, they've been able to run the ball in North Dakota State. Well, you know what? The tape is out there on how you stop that Montana State running game. The Grizz did it. This could be a long, long day for Montana State. They won 26 games in a row in Bozeman. I don't know if they'll get to 27.
1: Listen, I'm going to try to keep this as quick as I can. This game right here is a banger. This one's circled. This one's got a star on it. I got every notification I possibly can. I got every beat writer, every North Dakota State fan. I got their notifications on. I want to hear what they have to say during the game. Both these teams are going to line up and try to punch each other in the mouth. None of them will get fancy. There are going to be very few shots taken down the field. We know what that weather's going to look like. Both these teams, that is not their strength, but whoever can execute the little things well, whoever can edge out the explosive play battle will win this game but this right here man you can give me a better boxing analogy because you're a little older than i am but these two are in a phone booth throwing blows back and forth i am pumped
0: me too it's gonna be a hell of a game over there across those two mountain passes in bozeman montana chattanooga's at number seven Furman stone we saw this game already where chattanooga with the starting quarterback healthy lm ford and a healthy jay Lost to Furman's backup quarterback, seventeen to fourteen. I don't think a whole lot's going to change here. Chattanooga comes in as a team that's beat up this time. Furman's getting healthy. I think Furman handles the business.
1: Yeah, I think Furman handles the business as well. Tyler Huff is back. Big Dominic Roberto is back, and they're going to be back in full effect, doing what they do best.
0: Youngstown State is at number eight. Villanova Stone. This one is intriguing to me. It's a pretty good quarterback matchup. I think. I know you really like Mitch Davidson. Yeah. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to use the word man crush, but as you <laughs> mentioned every week talk about wanting to have him in your Stone Cold Quarterback segment. Connor Watkins, pretty good quarterback for Villanova. Yeah,
1: I love Youngstown State in this spot. I think Villanova is riding high on confidence, but here comes a team from the Missouri Valley Football Conference that Villanova really hasn't seen before, although they've seen it. right There's tape. They just line it up and they play football a little differently. Again, everybody rolling their eyes. I get it. But some of these teams come different. I think Youngstown State's a team with a chip on their shoulder, and Mitch Davidson's is going to carry them over the finish line. I think this game is uh, 1B on Games of the Week for me.
0: It's time for us to take a quick break. When we come back, Stone will give you an update with the Northwestern Mutual Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation fundraising effort. Stone, we've raised a bunch of money. I'm proud of it. I know you are too. Can't wait to hear you talk Talk about it. And right after that will be the pick segment. I know you want to hang out for that. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetta Radio Network.
1: Thanks for sticking with us during the break. You were listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto Radio Network. Guys, I'm so excited to be doing this right now. I want to throw a bunch of different information out to you guys about our initiative that we have going with the Alex Lemonade Stand Foundation and, of course, Northwestern Mutual. I wanted to update you on the standings, how much money has been raised, all of the good things. I especially want to highlight the players that we have involved. So let's jump right into that first with the athletes that we have highlighted that I have interviewed that are the face of this partnership and that are leading the way to raising funds and awareness for getting rid of childhood care cancer and putting an end, stomping it out, et cetera, et cetera. Let's go down this list, guys. Shout-out to Brian Williams, a member of the South Dakota State Jackrabbits football team. You can find him on the defensive line wreaking havoc each and every week. Also, shout-out to Efton Chisholm, out of Eastern Washington, the star-wide receiver. Efton has been phenomenal this year's team. Unfortunately, did not make it into the playoffs, but he's a showstopper, and he's still got another year left in the tank, so excited to see what Efton has in store for everybody. Shout-out Aiden Bauman, the three-seed in the FCS playoffs, the signal caller for the South... Dakota Coyotes. This kid's a baller out of the Shangle Network office, and he's raised a ton of money. We'll get to Aiden in a sec. Darnell Schillingford out of Bryant. He holds it down in the trenches. His interview was lights out. The kid is brilliant. He's got a great head on his shoulders, and he's got a bright future ahead of him as well. Eli Mostar, another trench man. Man, we got a lot of guys holding it down with beef. Eli Mostar, defensive lineman for North Dakota State University. He's done a phenomenal job. His interview was lights out as well. He's raised a ton of money. Quentin Hicks, another guy from South Dakota State. He lines up next to Brian Williams. and those two wreak havoc together. Mark Gronowski, his interview is pending. Two weeks from now, we'll talk to Mark and sit down. He's already got money raised, and we haven't even launched his interview yet. That is ridiculous. That just shows how popular and what Mark Gronowski means to that South Dakota state and that Brookings community. CJ Siegel, stud corner for North Dakota and those fighting hawks. Coming out of the Dinger Network office, CJ, not only was his interview lights out, but he's a lights out ball player, and I think he might get paid to play the game at the very next level. He's just that good. He's raised hundreds upon hundreds of dollars. I think his ticker keeps going up. He's going to raise more money. Zachary Clements, uh, Signal Caller for Sea law Southeastern Louisiana State. He has raised a ton of money in his interview with Lights Out. He's done a phenomenal job. And shout out Matthew Saluka, quarterback for Holy Cross. He's done an awesome job getting involved up there in Mass. And there's so much good stuff we have going on. I want to run through the standings one last time for everybody. In first place, shout out Brian Williams, who holds it down in the trenches. Holds it down in the trenches for the South Dakota State Jack Rabbits. He's gotten $3,705 raised. That is the most by any of our athletes so far. Coming in at number two, Efton Chisholm, the star wide receiver for the Eastern Washington team. He, coming out of the Hanser Network office, has raised $3,145. Shout out to everybody up in Cheney, Washington, and around the country who has donated to Efton. Efton is a stud. And in third place, Aiden Bauman, $1,482 raised. That is the signal caller for the three-seed South Dakota Coyotes. Darnell Schillingford from the Bryant football team. Team coming out of the Miller Network offense. He was awesome. That kid is brilliant. Eli Mostart holding down in the trenches for the North Dakota State. Those Bison. Bison got a big one on deck against Montana State, taking it to Bozeman as well. Typically, you don't see a North Dakota State team making a road trip in round two, but here we are. And Eli Mostart is a big part of that. Eli, $725 raised. That, of course, coming out of the Dinger Network office. Shout out Derek Dinger, friend of the show. Quentin Hicks, another trenchman alongside Brian Williams from South Dakota State. Him out of the Shankle Network office. He was also an intern, along with Brian in that office that Chris Schenkel is the managing director of. Quinn $658 has been raised. Mark Gronowski, folks, please stay tuned. His interview will be coming up in a few weeks. I'm excited. Everybody knows who Mark is. We'll have Mark on the show in just a few weeks, so stay tuned for that or hit me up if you've got any questions ahead of that. CJ Siegel, another star player up in the Dakotas. He plays for the Fighting Hawks. Got eliminated last week, but boy, was CJ phenomenal. Coming out of the Dinger Network office, $600 has been raised. He was one of the most fun interviews that I've done in a very, very long time. Shout out Zachary Clement, the quarterback for Southeastern Louisiana State. Law coming out of the Habits Network office, uh, $325 has been raised. And shout out Matthew Saluka at a Holy Cross as well. $250 has been raised. Man, I tell you what, this initiative has been a blast. Myself, Kevin Marshall, we are blessed to even be a part of it. And we're blessed at FCS Nation for wanting to be involved and getting involved and contributing as much as they have. You see the Lemon Top Challenge all over Twitter right now. You can go to our page, you'll see guys and gals with lemons on their heads. Uh, participating in that, help raising the money. We've got an FCS Nation involved, especially the ones up there in Brookings, South Dakota, or anybody in South Dakota who roots for the Jacksman. They've been getting involved. Here are the rules, and here's how to participate. Balance a lemon on your head. Snap a picture, uh, preferably a selfie. It doesn't matter, though. You can have someone take a picture of you if you want to do it with the group, but post it to your Twitter, your LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Does not matter. Any platform works for us. Tag Alex's Lemonade 10 and its foundation, which is on Twitter at Alex's Lemonade. Tag Northwestern Mutual at NM underscore financial. And tag whatever school you want to get credit. Of course, they must be participating. They must be in our list. When all of this is done and all of this is executed, Northwestern Mutual will donate $10 to the FCS fundraiser for every person who takes the challenge and posts it to their feed. Of course, the tags must be included. Hashtag one cup at a time. Listen, guys, it's as simple as taking a picture with a link on your head, posting it on any social media feed that you use and just tagging Alex Lemonade stand again on Twitter at Alex Lemonade tag Northwestern Mutual at NM Financial NM underscore financial and whatever school you want to get the credit of course, like I said they must be participating in our initiative that's all you gotta do folks hashtag Lemon Top Challenge hashtag one cup at a time that is how you can get involved with what we have going on but if you want to learn more just hit us up holler at myself of course, this is the voice of Stone Lobanowitz or Mr. Kevin Marshall we got the goods for you And if you really don't want to talk to us because you don't like us, well, that's just too bad. Go to our website at fcsnationradio.com. The landing page is right there. It breaks it down. And I want to give a shout out to the Jackrabbit Illustrated boys, the guys who are dedicated to covering the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State University. They provide news, analysis for all of the games, recruiting updates as well, and just general Jack info. What they did was something special in regards to this initiative. This is a tweet from at Captain Jacks, a member of the Illustrated squad. Dear Cubbies in Brookings, Cubby Sports Bar and Grill up there in Brookings, South Dakota, please bring back Italian nachos. This, of course, I'm reading from the Twitter app. For every retweet in quote, Tweet This gets, we will donate four dollars to fight childhood cancer. If Cubby's brings back Italian nachos, that means another two hundred total to the cause. They tagged Alex's Lemonade Stand. slash my page, which links to Brian Williams, who, like I said, has raised over three thousand seven hundred and five dollars right now. Folks, you know how many retweets they got? Yeah, that would be hundred and fifty six. You know how many quote tweets they've got? Yeah, that's twenty two. How many views has this gotten? Sixty. 1,000 views on this tweet alone. Those boys want the Italian nachos back at Cubbies. Man, listen. This is the qualifier that they laid out for everybody. Donations will increase up to 100 total retweets and quote tweets. We will run this through the Saturday before the FCS National Championship game. And people have been coming in off the walls, trying to donate money, trying to get involved. These guys have been awesome. They've gotten Brian Williams jacked all the way up there. And they've gotten Jackrabbit fans just super excited about this initiative. So one more time, shout out to the Jackrabbit Illustrated boys for participating and getting involved and enjoying this as much as myself and Kevin Marshall have. I just wanted to give FCS Nation an update on the standings, our feelings toward everything, and of course trying to get you guys to participate and get involved with it as well. Hey, coming up next is the pick segment, and I know you are not going to want to miss that. So folks, stay tuned. You're listening to FCS Nation Radio on the Palmetto Radio Network.
0: Thanks for hanging with us during the break. You're listening to FCS Nation on the Palmetto. Radio networks now time for my favorite time of the week, and Stone his favorite time of the week. You got it, folks. It's the pick segment. Up first, Mercer is at number one, South Dakota State.
1: Yeah, obviously, I'm going with the South Dakota State Jackrabbits here. I've said all show long, I think this Mercer defense stands stout for uh, as much time as they possibly can before the dam breaks. Uh, I got a final result here of 31-17. I think this game's awkward at times. I think Mercer's going to raise some people's eyebrows, so I'm excited. But I think 31-17, this one finishes the way of the Jacks.
0: I agree with you, Stone. And I believe that all those people who think this game will not be competitive at all are incorrect. And you and I may be the only people who believe it will be. And that's fine. I don't I don't mind that. Uh, I think the Bears hang around a long time in this one. But the Jackrabbits are the number one seed for a reason. You got to take number one, South Dakota State at home over Mercer, 34-17. The Delaware Fighting Blue Hens are at number two, Montana.
1: Yeah, I'm rocking with the Grizz here big time. Uh, I talked about it earlier. I think this is the FCS Nation special. Uh, I think the entirety of the SCS is just waiting for the Grizz to beat up on the Blue Hens the so week can- point and laugh and say, hey, good luck in the FBS. Good luck in the Conference USA. You can't even handle us, but you're moving on forking over the cash. We get it. I think 38-20 this game finishes and uh, the Grizz are rocking and rolling and having a party in Missoula, baby.
0: Blue hands trek all the way from Newark to my neck of the woods in Missoula. I don't think they're going to enjoy the trip very much, though. Uh, I don't believe it really matters who's playing quarterback for Delaware because their defense will have no answer for Clifton McDowell, Junior Bergen and Eli Gilman and company from Montana. So take the number two seed Grizz at home at Washington Grizzly Stadium. 38 10. Sacramento State is at number three seed. South Dakota. I have this one
1: going the way of the Yotes. 42-35. No field goals. None of that stuff. Just straight touchdowns back and forth. And whoever can get the stop the latest gets this thing done. Go Yotes.
0: Stone, this one has me thinking. And, you know, normally that's an issue for me because I have a thinking problem. Right? <laughs> but this time I'm not so sure I'm wrong. Uh, Hornets quarterback Caden Bennett. He was a difference maker last week in a dome in a Dakota. I believe he will be again and this is my upset special of the week. Take Sacramento State to upset number three South Dakota in Vermilion.
1: Hornets win 28-27. Hey, listen, Kev. I think that's something that's worthy of putting some stock into, the fact that Caden Bennett is playing in a dome. The guy loves to chuck it. The guy loves to move around and extend plays, get outside the hashes, and he's one of the best scramble drill quarterbacks we have in the entire country. So I think there's something to be said about Caden Bennett and the Sac State team playing in a dome back-to-back weeks. They'll be really happy about that, obviously, coming from the West Coast. So I think that plays into this for all you guys who are really bullish on on South Dakota. Beware.
0: Southern Illinois is at number four, Idaho. This one is tough game to pick, Stone Lebanowitz.
1: I don't really know what to do here. Um, I really don't know what to do here, and it's not because I don't know who to pick. It, it's just I have Idaho going to the semifinals and taking on South Dakota State in my bracket that I put out a couple weeks ago. But the more and more that the week has gone on, I, I lean the way of Southern Illinois. The books have opened this thing up. Idaho's laying a touchdown. I think that's too much for me, and it, it's got me excited about Southern Illinois. I think they let their kahunas hang a little bit, take certain shots down the field, and the matchup is just too tasty. <laughs> Listen, truthfully, I think this game, is wire to wire. I think this game's tight at halftime. Maybe there's a three-point margin either side at halftime. But the final score here is 35-30. I'm not picking a side, Kev. I'm not doing it. Southern Illinois can win at 35-30 or Idaho can win at 35-30. I really, I'm just going to stand on the sidelines here. I'm, I'm not willing to put my neck out there. Sorry.
0: Stone, you should get off the fence, man, because it's creasing your butt. <laughs> uh, this will be a good ball game. If the Salukis can run the ball effectively at all, that'll set up Nick Baker and company to be able to get those explosive plays Stone the with loves. So so much vandals offensive line is young but we're in the second round of the playoffs is anyone still young this time of the season you're not a freshman anymore you're not a sophomore anymore go play like it and the salukis front seven is going to challenge that group of vandals on that offensive line devonny mccoy and hayden hatton those connections gonna be key in this one the Vandals need some big plays out of those two and I think they get them I think they get more big plays and I'm gonna take number four Idaho at home in the Kibbe Dome over Southern Illinois 30 to 27
1: listen Kev that front seven of Southern Illinois has a real chance to wreck this game I think if Southern Illinois wins it's because the front seven the games they're gonna create really really awkward situations and down and distances for Giovanni McCoy I'm glad you shouted that out because if SIU wants to win they gotta lean on that D-line
0: Richmond is at the number five seed you Albany
1: yeah I'm going with Albany here cab I think it's a low scoring affair I I just think they have more going for them and of course that defense that I shouted out in the preview segment is going to kind of strut its stuff show its wings off a little well they're a dog they don't really have wings they're gonna what does a dog do
0: it goes woof, Stone.
1: They're going to woof. That defense is going to woof their ass off here in a win. 24-20. Get it done, Danes.
0: What does a cow do, Stone? No. Albany is not a team that makes a ton of mistakes. I don't think they're going to make a ton of mistakes this week. And I'm not sure that the Richmond Spiders can do enough offensively to keep up with them. I just don't think they can. Take the number five seed. you albany over Richmond. Great Danes win at home. 31-21. North Dakota State is at number six. Montana State.
1: Listen, there's a few ways to look at this ball game here in Baltimore. Both of them are very interesting. If Montana State jumps out to a lead, they'll win this game, straight up. Cam Miller and this North Dakota State offense are not built to play from behind. I do not think he can execute it if they find themselves down a couple scores, but I don't think that's how this game shakes out in the first quarter. I think North Dakota State is somewhat looking for blood, and they'd like to do this on the road. They understand the entire FCS is looking at them as if this is a down year. We had Lucas Emmon last week called him a dark horse. I think when they hear these types of things, all it does is just push them further to peak, and you talked about this team's kind of peaking right now. I do not think they let Montana State jump out to a lead. I think the Bison win this one 30-21. I'll be all eyes on this one for four quarters, man. This guy got me very intrigued.
0: I agree, Stone. And I think North Dakota State wins a football game too. Uh, the Cats have had a week uh, since that mauling in Missoula, and they got a bad taste in their mouth. I get it. They're going to press a little bit, try to show early what happened against Montana ain't who we are. Well, you know what? The Bison, they've really got their scat in a pile lately. There's no doubt about that. And the passing game for the Bobcats is going to have to do enough to keep the Bison honest on defense. Uh, and, and to be frank with you, Stone, whether that can happen or not, I think that depends upon who gets the most snaps at quarterback for the Bobcats. I don't think it'll be the guy who should get them. And that's why I'm going to say take North Dakota State on the road over number six, Montana State. Bison win on the road, 34-20. Chattanooga is at number seven, Furman.
1: I like Furman here. They're favored by a touchdown. I think they win by a touchdown. Looking for a push here. Uh, Furman, 27 20. Uh, Tyler Huff, Dominic Roberto back in the lineup, and that'll be all the difference they need.
0: I agree. Roberto Huff, good power and defense leads to a power and victory. Take number seven, Furman over Chattanooga in Greenville, 30 to 13. Youngstown State is at number eight, Villanova.
1: Drum roll, please. This is my upset special of the week, Cav. I think Youngstown State gets this thing done, 28-27. Villanova favored by six and a half. It's funny to see a Missouri Valley team, a dog by that much, by almost a touchdown. I think Youngstown State playing with a little chip on their shoulder. I'm excited to see what Mr. 14 can do behind center. Go Penguins.
0: Well, Stone, you said that nobody is looking at the Penguins like a contender. That's because they're not, and they haven't been all season. This is not a good football team. I don't think so. haven't thought so all year, but it is a good QB matchup between the Penguins, Mitch Davidson, and Villanova's Connor Watkins. Nova hasn't played a ton of close games, and to be frank, I don't think this one's going to be close either. Take number eight, Villanova at home over Youngstown State, 30 to 17. That brings us to the end of another episode of FCS Nation on the Palmetta Radio Network. FCS Nation is co-hosted and produced by Mr. Stone Lebanowitz I'm executive producer and host Kevin Marshall thanking you for making FCS Nation a small part of your football week. Like I always do, y'all, I'd like to remind you that life's a lot like football. You play by the rules and the penalties won't kill you. Until next week, so long, everybody.